11 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our Shop Stewards Corner and a segment here where we take a look at uh, what's happening in the lives of working people, what's happening on the shop floor, and uh, we bring it to you every Monday. And uh, this Monday, we take a look at something that uh, we certainly have uh, been uh, following uh, quite closely since uh, the February budget was presented. And uh, that is the uh, public sector wage bill debate. Now, uh, Titon Boweni, finance minister, penciled in uh, cuts to the public sector wages uh, in his budget review in February. And um, I guess we affirmed uh, some of uh, those cuts and the implied fiscal path in the special adjustment budget, which was presented sometime in June. And uh, the uh, Department of Public Service and Administration, which negotiates on behalf of the government uh, with its workers, uh, approached the Labour Court to have the wage agreement that was signed in 2018 uh, at the Bargaining Council declared unconstitutional. Now, uh, you would be familiar that uh, wages are set uh, uh, every three years uh, in line with the medium-term expenditure framework period. And the state is now in the last leg of the deal. Uh, which uh, was due to be paid out from April 1, uh, decided uh, to approach the courts on this particular question. And trade unions are presenting a united front, uh, both those uh, within Federation Cosato and outside of it, uh, to get salary increases of between 4.3% and 5.4%. But it seems that uh, the uh, uh, Public uh, Service and Administration Ministry and the National Treasury uh, are not budging on this particular one. Mukwena Maluleka is the General Secretary of Sato, and he joins me now on the line. Horse Minjan. Uh, General Secretary, let's maybe start off here. I think for some people who might not be familiar with uh, the agreement in question. In 2018, many of yourselves uh, representing your members uh, went to the Public Sector Coordinating Bargaining Council. What did you agree on in 2018? Uh, and I guess, uh, what implications did that have for the subsequent and outer three-year period? Thank you for the question, indeed. Um, I must thank you for the time. Um, in 2018, uh, around the 8th of June, having de- uh, negotiated for seven months, the state and the unions uh, w- were able to sign an agreement that, one, that in 2018 um, and 2019, we will then be able to receive salary increases for the public servants, uh, and that was 3.1 in the collective argument that was saying that uh, those who are level one to five will receive uh, inflation plus one, and then those who are on eight to ten will receive inflation plus 0.5, and then those in management, in you know, the principals and the others up to level um, uh, 12 will only receive um, the uh, inflation um, and, and so forth. So the same year that was the case. So even this. Uh, 2018, uh, 2020, uh, which is 3.3, would also be able to give the public servants, uh, those who are in the lower rank, would then be able to get inflation uh, plus mm. 0.5, and then the others will get it. So, so that is the agreement that was implemented by the government for the past two years. And then what happened uh, just before the budget was presented in February? Um, because I was saying earlier on to, to, to our listeners that, you know, the, the tradition is to negotiate these over a three-year period so that at least there's some alignment with the medium-term expenditure framework, some of the projections on how much would be spent on this. Something changed just yeah. before the budget. What, what is that? Yeah, what, what changed is that then the employer um, then started presenting on the a day before the budget is presented, come to the chamber and say to us that um, uh, they will not be able to honor the collective agreement. They would want to present a new uh, offer uh, to us. 
Um, and that particular offer basically would be that they will take away the uh, performance management um, uh, reward that the people must get in the form of uh, uh, performance um, uh, progress, like you have in education, what we call um, quality management system, which is 1.5%, and then the uh, performance management system in the uh, broader public service and leg and rank in the police. They will then take that money and use the money for the for, for honoring this particular agreement, and then they'll go and find some money. But then we're saying, um, that will be undermining two collective agreements because then it means you are taking from what the people have uh, been able to establish as a right. So you are taking that right away to then honor the other right, whereas you have uh, collectively agreed that you will have the money to be able to honor this. And I must say, uh, which, uh, uh, is that when we negotiate, we don't get what we want all the time. We mm. had to compromise in 2018 on the basis that uh, the employer was able to present a compelling argument to say they will not be able to give what they used to give to the public service in the form of 2% uh, for those who are earning less in terms of their mochis and so forth. So on the understanding of wanting to have a, a, a democratic process, we consulted our members. Our members understood that, yes, we can compromise for the agreement that was signed. So therefore, we did not understand why we are all of a sudden have to be um, who held responsible for the failure of government to manage the public resources in a manner that would have been able to enable the government to have the money that it's supposed to have. So we, we really would not understand why now and uh, why they were not able to, uh, to honor um, the budgetary processes in terms of the law. Mm. So, so this matter now has been taken to the courts, um, and there's a certain argument one would think that the DPSA is making before the courts uh, about where we are with COVID-19 and uh, I guess some of the budget cuts that are envisaged uh, as part of this particular moment. What are some of those arguments, and I guess uh, what about them is not persuasive for you as public sector unions? Well, what is not persuasive, I must indicate, is the fact that the frontline workers, the nurses, police, and the doctors, and everyone, including the teachers, who have got to build the skills for this particular country for us to be able to have an economic recovery at the speed at which we need, is that mm-hmm. these people, some of them really have sacrificed many things. Some of them have succumbed to the virus as you know, rendering the services to the, pub, to the to the people of our country. So we have not shared our responsibilities. We continue to be engaged in the government despite the fact that there is a collective agreement. So the argument that they are making, it's, 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 it's their own mistake, it's their own making, because they have allowed 500 billion that they had to mobilize during COVID for that matter. When they say they don't have money, instead of having 37 billion for the public servants who basically are in the front line of fighting, then they hand over the 500,000 billion to the sharks and, and the vultures were really flying around the, the, the carcass and, uh, and without consequences. So the issue here is that they have been allowing corruption to be part of their dinner uh, menu 
and now they would want to blame the people who are really not having benefited anything uh, to this effect. So the government's argument basically cannot be, we cannot sympathize with them, and we cannot empathize with them because they cannot demonstrate that uh, the corruption that is happening, that is taking a lot of the resources from the poor, is being dealt with and decisively. Mm. So, so they speak about it, uh, and then it's just for verbal consumption, but basically they don't mean it. Okay, let's pause there, uh, Mr. Maruleke, and take a brief break. When we come back, I want us to uh, maybe unpack, I guess, what uh, the next few months are going to look like. And uh, this uh, uh, agreement should have come into effect on April 1. Uh, so it might mean some bumper back pay uh, for many teachers, policemen and nurses, if indeed it does come to bear. But if it doesn't, uh, what will that mean for many working people in this country? We'll continue with our Shop Stewards Corner after this. 21 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our uh, segment which we bring to you every Monday where we take a look at what's happening in the lives of working people. And uh, we also, of course, uncover and unpack some of the contests happening on the shop floor. And uh, this evening is certainly no different. I'm joined from the South African Democratic Teachers Union by General Secretary Mugwena Maluleke. And we're talking about uh, the uh, contests around the last leg of the uh, public sector wage agreement that was signed in 2018. And before we went to the break, uh, GS, one of the issues you were raising was that you certainly aren't persuaded, and uh, I guess, uh, nor are you sympathetic to some of the arguments that the government has raised. But I guess th the big question is, by them going to the Labour Court, uh, the remedy that they seek would be one that effectively does away with this kind of agreement. Are you open to that? Are you open to even exploring the possibilities of, I guess, living with a settlement where you don't get... Uh, the uh, 20, uh, 20, 21 uh, segment of what uh, you had been promised? Well, I must uh, thank you for the question. That the workers are not prepared um, to, to compromise on that and, and, and for the government to really go to court and not wanting to find a, an amicable solution in terms of how best the government can owe the public servants and making sure that they honor this particular binding collective agreement. And go to court and say to court, set aside this particular collective agreement. There, there are two things here. One is that it means the public servants would have to lose the salary increases, but it has got serious impact for other things, okay? It has got an impact and it's a very serious impact on their, on their pension, but also on them being able to support the economy because then it's the suppression of the wages that basically should have been honored. And basically, these public servants are really helping the economy uh, as we know that many of the private sector companies have closed down and the people who are sustaining the economy are these, you know, when you suppress them, the economic cover is going to suffer. Two, it is that you are you are basically saying, the government is basically saying, um, whatever has been agreed upon in terms of the constitution in this country, the government now wants to undermine collective bargaining. This is a very bad example of a government that does not understand that the collective bargaining provides democracy on the workplace, but also provides a platform for dialoguing so that you, dis you don't disrupt services. You protect the services that are there. So what the government is doing now, taking away this particular right, basically it's opening itself to unorganized uh, actions and disruptions that at the end of the day can really affect the poor, those who are relying on public services uh, and majority of them. So we then are going to oppose this particular um, um, position by the government by opposing this counter-application and do everything we can to show the court that the government is not honest 
in this particular instance because they were able to own under two years and they kind of have amnesia um, in the last leg of the collective agreement and start talking about that it's offending public policy, that it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful because the fact of the matter that they have been signing collective agreements since uh, 1999, which are multi-term agreements, it means they've been offending public policy and therefore uh, and, and, and lying to the court by the Minister of Finance that the Minister has not signed the collective agreement or the Minister of Public Services has not signed the collective They have never signed the collective agreement. But the collective agreement are signed by the accounting uh, officer being the head of department or his mm. or her delegate uh, who must do that. So you can't go to court and want to mislead the public in this country because of simple mismanagement of the financial resources mm. of our people. And I guess maybe, GS, uh, a, bit, a bit of a political question here, because uh, one would think that yeah. this does complicate matters somewhat within the alliance at a time where uh, there are some, I guess, uh, uh, contests and debates around uh, uh, stimulus, around the path of our economic recovery and uh, the role that that has for working people. Uh, we know that, you know, certainly in the federation you are part of, that you are in alliance uh, alongside the party uh, uh, with the uh, African National Congress. And I'm quite interested uh, in your perspective about, I guess, what this means. I mean, we heard Zola Sapeta earlier on from Nehau saying, we're no longer going to give the ANC a blank check. Uh, if indeed we don't find resolution on this question, uh, then uh, we know the 2021 local government elections are around the corner. And Nehau has uh, certainly indicated that uh, they won't campaign uh, uh, certainly on a blank check. What's the view maybe of the Democratic Teachers Union here and uh, some of your colleagues uh, uh, within COSAT just about the complications this gives rise to within the alliance? Well, I must indicate that uh, representing the public servants uh, in COSAT, myself, I have had a discussion with them and there's a serious anger. Um, that is really brewing uh, in the in the federation's affiliates um, um, around the issue that the African National Congress leadership, once they get the vote, they want to um, disrespect the people of our country. They treat them as um, not uh, really people who matter. Uh, basically, actually, the electorate is taken for for granted by the African National Congress. So that debate is going to come um within Kosatu um and it's going to gain momentum on the basis that look you cannot continue to be giving the African National Congress and you know a blank check like uh, the other people have said because we have always been saying that uh, we whilst we are in the alliance we're not in the alliance with government we're in the alliance with the African National Congress. The government is our mm. employer. So we'll treat the employer just like any other employer and an employee. You need to have a relationship that is regulated. So you cannot when it is convenient for you as a government, want to undermine mm. collective bargaining and so forth because there are rules that we must follow. So but I guess clearly GS, that from ourselves, we are going to discuss that. And we are going GS, to give them a blank check. Yes. Sure. But yes, I mean, we can't act like, uh, you know, even the political center of government in South Africa is not the ANC, as if it's politically agnostic. So, yes, uh, as COSATU, you might be in alliance with the African National Congress as a political party and political organization, but they certainly aren't just that. It's not like they're a sort of Bramfontein-based NGO that's just sitting there. They actually effectively are the governing party and the political center uh, of, of the executive and the administration in this country. Yes, they are. But one thing for sure is that let's look at history. Let's look at the history of COSATU. 
society unions are the ones that take up against the, 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 the government, irrespective of whether there is an alliance. That, that has been our, our, our attitude. That has been the principles of, our, of, of, of you know, finding the organization, the union. They represent the interest of the workers, and the interests of the workers are more important. Uh, and in this particular instance, if the ruling party in the African National Congress does not recognize the fact that there are rules in this country, there's a constitution in this particular country, basically they are saying, look, Kosatu, you don't, your people don't matter. The people of this country can have disrupted services. We must protect the people of our country. We must protect the services which are very critical and essential to our people. And that's why we must be able to say there was never a contract that we signed that will continuously be giving the African National Congress our vote without even to put the condition. We've always made it very clear that uh, it is not a, a, you know, a, a blanket, you know, a blank check. It is mm-hmm. conditional. But what we have learned is that the African National Congress never respected that, even if you say it. So they need to, 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 to see an action to show that indeed we mean it. Okay. Uh, GS, as always a pleasure. Uh, and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. <laughs>